0: Father, uh, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for your faithfulness. And God, as we do look at this passage and, and Lord, as you encourage the church a couple thousand years ago, we know your heart today is to encourage, to strengthen, to build us up. So Lord, I pray, I pray that we would hear your heart And Lord, we would let it melt with our heart that we would be men and women serving you, loving you. And so God, I pray, open up, open up our ears to hear, our minds to process, but more importantly, let us hide it in our hearts and let us become the men and women that you see us as. And God, let us honor you with our lives, with our words, with our deeds. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, we're again in chapter 13, we're kind of hitting that rapid succession of things that uh, the author is just going after. He's just kind of laying them out after he has given us clear instruction on who we are and that means something in our lives. So doctrine is going to change us. And it should change how we live, not just how we think, But how we live, the things we do, the people that we hang out with, the things we say, the way we interact... And so he's covering all of those. And, and last time we looked at let brotherly love continued. And what did that look like? Well, that looked like how we have to, you know, get involved with people that we're not familiar with. How we need to think about those who are isolated or those who are in prison. We have to think about our marriages and keeping those pure. And he just, you know, then he got on into the whole idea of that we need to not be covetous people and moving in that direction. Now he kind of gets into church and we might even call it churchianity how, how are we as a church listen individually we do things but how do we function as a church and again that takes each individual doing their part in the body for it to grow and mature so as he gets into this listen he's, he's going to hit some tough stuff and then he's going to hit some stuff that I personally don't like to bring up We got to talk about leadership and we got to talk about authority in leadership. That's hard to do when you're in leadership and it's kind of like, well, listen to me. And it gets a little weird. That's why sometimes it's hard to go verse by verse. There's sometimes I just want to skip some parts and not, you know, not have to touch those. But we're committed to that. So we're going to talk about that a little bit and we're going to, well, we're going to talk about it a whole bunch. But his main emphasis here in this section is that you and I need to focus on Jesus and not let other things come in and change how we think, how we do things. And here's an interesting thing, he's also gonna bring up, in, in a sense, historical Christianity. In our culture right now, there's a huge movement to disregard history. Let's erase it. Let's do away with it. Let's push it out of the way. Let's squash it, and let's kill it, and let's start over. Hey, when you do that, you're going to create a mess. And even in the church, I'm hearing people say, hey, it doesn't matter what happened in the church historically. We're now. Yes, it does matter. So look at at verse uh, 7. He brings it up. Remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith, uh, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of, her, of their conduct. I'm kind of gathering from that. He's talking about dead guys. He's talking about guys who have been faithful to do ministry, and now they've gone on. And he says, listen to them. Pay attention to what they said. You guys have been here long enough. If you you have been here long enough, you know that I'm a little more partial to old dead guys than I am to new young guys, because old dead guys have proven that they've walked the walk, and we need to hold on to that. And we need to listen to them and think about think about people who have influenced your life who are not around anymore. They're gone. And they're people that we can cherish what they said to us, the exhortations, the words they gave us. And now in our culture, in our society, we can even listen to them, right? I mean, Jay Vernon McGee's still on the radio. That's kind of weird, I think. Chuck Smith still on the radio with Word for Today. You hear those guys. So listen, he says... As believers, as believers in Jesus Christ, he says, remember those who rule over you. Now, we're going to talk more about current guys when we get down to verse 17. But remember them. And he says, cherish what they've given you. They've spoken the word of God to you. I believe historical Christianity is something you and I can grab a hold of and be thankful for that there were men who stood for the gospel, who who told the line, who refused to, uh, who refuse to cave in to the cultures of their time, to what's going on at their time. They stayed the course. So he lays that out. Now, listen, verse 8 is one a lot of people memorize. They kind of don't keep it in context, but they, they like to memorize. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen, right? We like that. We like that verse. But what is the context of that verse? He's just said... You're going to lose people. There are going to be people who influence your life who are going to die. Shock, shock. But not Jesus. He's the same. He doesn't change. He's not going to to switch things around and change things up. He's always the same. He's the stability in your life, or at least he should be. And so when he talks about he's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, he's talking about he cannot be superseded by anything. So he looks back to verse 7 and then looks down to the rest of what he's going to cover here, talking to us about things that we should be paying attention to and things we should be looking at. So it's not, listen, it, it kind of bothers me when people take a portion of Scripture and make it like a, you know, like a magical incantation that if I say this, it's got to be right. He's not giving us little quirks to say or little magical incantation. He's saying, here's a reality in your life. Others may come and go, but Jesus never will. Things may change, but Jesus never will. And in that, neither will the gospel, neither what he came to do for us. That is never gonna change. So kind of keep that in mind. He's talking about the stability that we have in Jesus Christ. One person put it this way. It's kind of it's strange. F.F. Bruce, he's an old dead guy. He says this. I, I kind of like this. Because and, and, he's going back into the book of Hebrews. He says, yesterday, Jesus offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who would save him from death. Chapter 5, verse 7. Today he is high priest before the Father who is able to sympathize with our weaknesses because he has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet is without sin. Chapter 4, verse 15. And forever this same Jesus always lives to intercede for us. Chapter 7, verse 25. I kind of like how he ties it in to 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 the book that we've been looking at. So... Remember those, and remember fondly. And think about, think about we have the word of God today, we have sound biblical teaching today because of people who have gone before us and who have upheld you know, the faith and who have stood strong. And he says, and because Jesus Christ doesn't change. Now, he's kind of looking forward and listen to what he says in verse nine. I think this is so important for today. Do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines, for it is good that the heart be established by grace. Now, I want to stop there for a minute because he's going to go on and he's going to talk about a specific. But I find it interesting that he brings up strange doctrines and doesn't name them. I think he knew what he was talking about, and I think they knew what he was talking about. But I also think it kind of is something that supersedes all generations. There's strange and and weird doctrines that go on no matter what generation. I just think in my lifetime as a Christian, the the last 40 years, I'm thinking about things that have come and gone and, and something that blows my mind. I remember as a new Christian hearing Chuck Smith say, Satan doesn't do anything new, he just repackages it. And how true that is. Today we have this thing called progressive Christianity. All progressive Christianity is is liberal Christianity of the 60s and the the 50s and the 60s when that influenced the church and came in and the church decided we're not going to follow Jesus, we're not going to stand on his word, we're not going to believe that his word's inerrant, and we're not even sure that whether he's God or not, all of that is going on. And now today people are, are touting the same thing, only it sounds so much better when it's progressive right we're progressing and we're changing and how many how many people do you know that are involved in this and and now the big buzz thing to do is you need to deconstruct every time i hear that i think that's weird right thank you somebody laughed i just think that's weird you like it. what else do you de you know why do i need to deconstruct my whole belief system to follow somebody current who has a whole new system. That's dangerous. But yet that's huge. Listen, that is huge in the church. And the church is influenced right now. The church in America is influenced by so many things that aren't necessarily obvious, obvious things going on, but they're diverting from the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're taken away from the power of God and who he is, and they're trying to, come in and subvert what God's doing. Now listen, that's not anything new. We should be understanding that. John MacArthur says it this way. One of Satan's most subtle approaches to the Christian is to move him away from sound doctrine, to get him wrapped up in beliefs that are unfounded, uncertain, and changing. Not unchanging, but changing. Now, again, coming out of verse eight, what is verse eight? Telling us that that Jesus never changes. The theologians call that the uh, immutability of God and that he's the same. I I just like to say it's the unchangeableness of God. Other words are kind of hard, right? So God, listen, he's unchangeable and here these guys are, no, you don't understand. When somebody tells you they have a new teaching, If it's new, it's probably not true. And if it's true, it's not new. And we need to be cautious of that, we need to be careful of that as we look at things. So listen, as he said that, here's the thing, I've I've watched some stuff on YouTube, I've heard some of these people that are deconstructing, and some of these people are big names, they're big names in Christianity, and all of a sudden, listen, all of a sudden they woke up one day and they're going, I don't know if I believe in Jesus anymore. I love what John Cooper, who's of the band Skillet, and it's kind of weird when you think of Skillet and apologetics, kind of weird, huh? But John Cooper, I love what he says, man. He goes, don't you think you should have settled that the day you got saved? Why is it 20 years down the road now you're asking that question? I love he kind of hits things hard on. But listen, that's true. And listen to what Scripture says. In 1 Timothy, it says this. Now, the Spirit expressly says in the latter times, where are we living Latter times, right? In the latter times, some will depart from the faith, listen, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies in hypocrisy and having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. I think we're seeing that. Listen, I think think there's more and more. I, I believe, listen, I believe we're closer to the end. I think we're really close to the end and probably because of my age. I am close to the end. You know, that's, that's part of what goes on. And you kind of understand that, but oh, man, listen, the things that went on, when we think, when we think how quickly COVID changed the world, don't tell me, don't tell me that revelation cannot happen in an instant, in the blink of an eye. If anything, I love it, my wife calls it, my wife calls the whole COVID thing in the pandemic, she calls it Satan's dry run. Seeing how quick it can happen and how fast it can happen. Could be, you know? And listen, I'm not, I'm not saying, I don't want you to like start jumping up and down, get, doing rapture practice and getting ready. But listen, man, I think he's coming. I think he's coming because what does it say? In the last days, men are going to go after, they're gonna deny the faith and go after deceiving spirits. Just do a cursory thing on YouTube of, quote, famous Christians who have now denounced the faith and walked away, and it will blow your mind. So listen, he says, this is gonna happen. And I believe, I believe that's why you and I, we need to be people of the word. We need to be reading our Bible. I need to be teaching the Bible. Hey, I don't want to come up here and tell you cool stories. I'm not that good at it anyway. But listen, I want to get the word of God in you. I want the word of God in my heart. I study all week so that I can give something, but you know what? It's more than that. I study all week because I want it inside of me. I want it to change me. I want it to fix me, and then I hope I can give something to us. But listen, man, as he says this, if we don't have sound doctrine, what's gonna happen? We're gonna be tossed to and fro, and saints, hear my heart. It's going on big time in the church of Jesus Christ in America right now. Not just so-called celebrity guys who are doing things. Churches, solid people are starting to cave to doctrines that aren't from the Bible, they're from the culture. And they're allowing the culture now to dictate what goes on and they're listening to the culture and now they're saying, here's what we need to do as a church. We need to be more sensitive to fill in the blank." And that's a culture coming in. Listen, the Bible, we need to be in the Bible. Now, I believe we need to be sensitive to anybody who's around. That's what my Bible says. I need to be concerned about all people. I need to pray, and I pray every week that unsaved people will come to church. I know some of you don't want unsaved people in church. I want unsaved people. I want them to come in. I want them to hear the gospel. You know, it's interesting, when we did the marriage thing, I don't know how many of you, when we were doing that on Thursday nights, how many of you paid attention? Did you pay attention? A lesbian couple came for a little bit. They didn't stay the whole time. Why? Because I didn't say what they wanted me to say. But see, I'm up front, so I get to see a little bit more. And when two ladies are sitting next to each other, like leaning on each other, I don't think they were leaning for support. And then all of a sudden, they weren't here anymore. When I mentioned that, marriage is between a man and a woman, and God instituted that. So listen, we need to be careful, and we need to make sure you have good doctrine, you're going to have a good life. You have bad doctrine, you're going to have a bad life. And same goes for the church. Listen, not just the individual, the church. Listen to what Paul tells the Ephesians. In Ephesians uh, chapter 4, he tells them this then we will no longer be infants. He's talking about becoming strong in the word. We will no longer become infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching or doctrine and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful schemings. So listen, there's a warning he gives. And then here's some passages that that just deal with that. In Acts chapter, whoop, that went away, huh? In, In Acts chapter 20, you guys are supposed to get that fast. Acts chapter 20, Romans chapter 16, 2 Corinthians 11, Galatians 1 all talk about influences coming into church from the outside. Everything should be measured by the word of God, not by our opinions, not by what's popular, not by what's cool or hip. It needs to be measured. The standard is the Word of God so listen as he says this now as we go on listen to what he says he says again I want to read that do not be carried away about with various and strange doctrines plural for it is good that the heart be established by grace oh oh that's where we're really gonna grow is when we allow God's grace to get in our hearts and overwhelm our hearts then we are established. When somebody comes to you and says, oh, you know what? Hey, I see you did this. That's pretty cool. Whatever it is. You know, you serve in maybe children's ministry, maybe ushering, maybe whatever it is. We all need to understand that whatever good happens comes from God. When people talk to me as they go out and they tell me, hey, that was nice. You know, the, the false humility wants to say, when they say, oh, that was a good sermon, the false humility wants to say, oh, no, 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 please don't. Don't say that. No, no, no. But in reality, here's what I will always say. I I will thank the person, thank you for that, but you know it's Jesus. It's grace. It's grace that establishes. Listen carefully, and it's grace that will get us home. We don't go from grace beyond. That's all about in Galatians chapter one that we had up there. So listen, man, he says, he says that we need to be established with grace. Now he gets into a specific not with foods which have not profited those who have been occupied with them. Oh, it's not about food. Huh, huh. I think a lot of people need to read this. It's not about, listen, what you eat is not gonna make you more or less spiritual. Jesus talked about that, right? It's not what goes in the mouth, but it's what comes out of the mouth. He talked to Peter about it too, didn't he? Peter on the roof, right? Get up and eat. Peter goes, no, 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 not me. I've never eaten anything. I love that whole scene. Don't you, aren't you really looking forward to heaven where you can just sit with these people and go, man, can we play that again? And can we watch Peter? Peter, what was it like as you're sitting there and you're, you're having that vision and things going on? I've never had a vision from God. I think I've had vision from God for our fellowship, but I've never had like a vision like that. And I think that would be cool. But listen, and today, there's whole denominations built around food. What you can eat and what you can't eat. They'll tell you if you eat this, that would be sin. Obviously, obviously he's talking to Jews and what's going on. We'll get there in a minute. But hey, it's carried on today. There's this thing called Seventh-day Adventists. They will tell you, you have clean foods and unclean foods because they do not read the Bible through the same lens that we read the Bible through. And the Bible says, all food is clean. Praise the Lord, huh? Because there's nothing like a kind of steak with some, like, blood coming out of it, just a little bit, She just pour it into shrimp a big old plump shrimp when we were just in boston i got a i got a a lobster roll oh my gosh i think it had eight lobsters in it it was so good and there's those who want to rip all that off and say no 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 now listen my eating that stuff did not make me spiritual actually it kind of well it's going to get me to heaven quicker that's for sure (laughs) but not not in a way spiritually. So my wife keeps telling me, but listen, listen carefully. It's not about food. And again, we have Romans chapter 14, Colossians chapter two. You can look those up, you can read those. Those Those are other scriptures talking about. It's not about food. And then he says this, listen, now he brings this up and this is great. He says, we have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle, have no right to eat. Now, man, you read that and you're going, this is a little weird. Do you ever ever talk to your Bible? Like I talk and I'm going, dude, like you're like flowing here pretty good. You know, you throw the Jesus thing in there, but I kind of understand you're letting us know, you know, that he's the same, he's the stability, he's the one. But then, what? what? We have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat? The commentaries, they're nuts on this verse. Now, what altar are they talking about? Some say it's coming to the Lord's table. I'm not thinking that's what he's thinking. Because when we comes to the Lord's table, we don't do an altar thing. Some say that it's the altar in heaven when we get to heaven. Uh, I don't think. I don't want to get into a big, deep theological thing, but I don't think we're going to be doing a lot of eating in heaven. I know we'll have one meal. But after that, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm not sure that's what he... And then some say he's talking about the cross. Could be. Here's what conclusion I came to. I'm not really sure what he's talking about. Don't you guys love your pastor? Like, Thanks, Pat. I thought you were gonna give, I'm not real, real sure. I think he's, listen, here's what I think. I don't think he's talking about physically eating. So I don't think it's coming to the Lord's table or I don't think it's going to an altar in heaven. I think he's more talking about, we have a place where we get nourishment and we get our spiritual nourishment and that place is Jesus Christ. And we come to that and I believe, listen, if I'm, if I'm going to pick something, I'm going to pick Jesus is the altar, not the cross, not heaven. Not, he's the altar that we come to, that those who serve in the tabernacle, they have no right to eat there. Why? Because they're still all about the law, and they're not coming by grace. And then he kind of goes on. Listen, now Now he kind of fills that out, and this is maybe will explain why I go that direction. In verse 11, some of you have already read ahead, Shame. For the bodies, verse 11, for the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the sanctuary uh, by, the, by the high priest for sin are burned outside the camp. So, you know, listen, if you've, if you've read Leviticus... You know, especially on the Day of Atonement, that one offering for sin, the blood was taken in and poured on the altar, but the carcass is taken outside the camp and burned. And that's what he's talking about. Listen, and here's the thing. He's not talking about the the temple in Jerusalem. He's still talking about when they were camped. You get the idea, camped in the tabernacle, and they would do that offering, and then they would take that one, and then even when they, they, any sin offering, was the carcass was always taken away. They didn't eat of that. There's thank offerings that they ate from, but he's letting us know, listen, here's what we know. The body of those animals whose blood is brought into the sanctuary, verse 11, by the high priest for sin, are burned outside the camp, therefore... Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate. Jesus, when he was crucified, he had to be crucified outside of the gate, outside of the walled city of Jerusalem, outside of the camp, for a couple reasons. One, he's fulfilling prophecy and fulfilling what's been given in the Old Testament, but I think another reason greater than that. Jesus went outside the city to prove that anyone can come to him. He's not, he didn't save the Jews. He saved everyone. And his death was for everyone. So I think, I think there's kind of a dual thing going on here. Yes, he had to be outside that wall for the, for the fulfillment of scripture, but he also had to be outside the wall that everyone would know, oh, Jew or Gentile, You can come to Jesus. And then, listen, then he says, verse 13, I love this. Therefore, let us go forth to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. Now, if you know, Jesus was rejected, right? And Jesus suffered reproach. And he was separated from the world and sin. You and I, listen to what he says. We need to go outside the camp. What's he talking about? Most of us, most of us aren't in the camp, right? Most of us, most of us have never been to Jerusalem. What is he talking about? He's talking about you and I, we need to be people that, listen, we need to understand that we need to go forth to him outside of the world system. We need to, listen, we need to separate ourselves from this world, not physically spiritually we need to be of the world or in the world but not of the world we need to be careful as believers of how we are tainted by the world and i believe again i believe in america hey we got to battle that all the time the world not just listen not just in material things but the world system is just coming big time. When I, think about, when I think about just listening to old guys, it is kind of fascinating that we can listen to old dead guys, we can hear them talk. Martin Lloyd-Jones, you can hear him. You can find some, some uh, uh, I was gonna say some videos, but not videos, but some, some uh, teachings of his archived places. I don't, I don't, you can't hear Spurgeon, but you kinda can if you read his books. But do you hear what he's saying? We gotta separate ourselves from the world. Now, there's a whole bunch of stuff. I don't know if you guys know this on the internet. There's a bunch of stuff that is lies and garbage. It always cracks me up when somebody comes, well, do you know blah, 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 whatever it is. I even think news now, blah, 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 blah. Where'd you get that, the internet? Oh, that makes it true. So we have to be careful, right? But here's what he's saying. We need to go outside the camp. We need to be foreigners in this world. We need to be strangers, not strange, strangers. Some of us have the whole strange thing going on. We don't need any help with that, but we need to be strangers. This is what he's telling us why. Look at verse 14, we've talked about this before. For here we have no continuing city, but we seek the one to come. Listen, here, this is not our home. This is not where we belong, right? A couple of you nod your head, yes. We don't, we don't belong here. This isn't our home. And he says, listen, we're seeking that city. He talked about it when he was doing the, the whole uh, uh, faith and the, the, the hall of faith and the people there. This was not their home. And you and I need to know, man, hey, we need to go outside the camp and we need to understand this isn't all there is. This is like very little of all there is. This is just a taste of all there is. Having said that, though, we're gonna see in a moment. This is the only time we can serve God by faith. That should get us excited. Do you know in heaven you can't serve Him by faith? Why? Because He's gonna be there. Duh. But here, we get to do it by faith. We get to walk in that, that walk of faith. So listen, man. He, sa- he says, once again, He says, for here we have no continuing city, but we seek the one to come. Therefore, I love this. Here we go. Are you ready? That was a lot of information to get to this. Now, here's what he's going to tell us we need to do. Therefore, by him, let us continue, continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God. That is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Oh, yes. I don't feel like most of the time I'm offering a sacrifice of praise because it's not a sacrifice. I love to praise the Lord. I love to worship the Lord. I love to worship the Lord corporately. I love to worship the Lord in small groups. I love to worship the Lord by myself. When I sing to the Lord by myself, I can sing so loud because he hears with perfect ears and he enjoys that. Do you hear what he says? but you know, there are times I don't feel like praising the Lord. There are times where I feel a little distant from God. Well, there are times I feel way distant from God and I don't feel close to Him. But my Bible has taught me that I don't go by feelings. I don't go by emotion. That I go by truth. And the truth is, God loves me. And the truth is, God saved me. And the truth is, He wants my praise. He wants it from my lips. And so if I don't feel like it, tough. I do a sacrifice of praise. And I get in that place and I believe, listen, I believe that's what he's talking about. Those times where you don't feel like praising God, it just doesn't feel right to you for whatever reason in your life. You're thinking, man, right now, I'm kind of mad at God. I don't like what's going on in my life. I don't like my world. I don't like anything around me. And then that's the time you need to get on your knees and you need to praise God. And you need to give him that sacrifice from your lips. It's got to come out loud. It's got to come out Ha. Ah. You got to say it. And then, listen, man, I love that. Hosea chapter 14, you can read that. Hosea chapter 14 really encourages us to to come back and let the Lord hear our voice. And again, I know that's Israel, but I think that's important for us. So, hey, we need to give him that sacrifice of praise and giving thanks to his name. But check this out. It doesn't just stop there. Don't you love God? Like some of you are going, I don't even I don't even like verse 15, don't even read verse 16 to me. It's okay, listen, he says, you thank, give thanks with your lips, but do not forget. You might underline that part. Because if the Bible's telling you not to forget something, what does that mean? You're more than likely going to forget it, right? But do not forget, listen what he says, do not forget to do good and to share for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. Oh, it's not just what I do with my lips, it's what I do with my life to others. And listen, I don't think he's just talking about sharing material things, although that's there, obviously, but I think he's talking about sharing ourselves. Giving of ourselves, putting ourselves involved in it. You know, I think, I, think, I think it's easy to give materially, especially in America. It's hard to give of ourselves. Take the time out of our lives. Touch someone who needs touching. Care about somebody who's around us. And as we looked at last time, Get involved with some people that were not like those people. Making sure those who are isolated are somehow contacted. Do do you hear what's going on? This is what we are to do, not just, listen, it's one thing to worship God. I think something that really bugs me is when I see people really worshiping God and then walk right by somebody in a fellowship that speaks to them and they don't even talk to them. And that's just here. What about out there? I really try. I, I, I'm a thinker, and I have to think a lot because I'm not very bright. So I have to think a bunch. And when I'm when I'm in places, my mind is going like 100 miles an hour. You know, I think I have some diseases going on too, but that's a whole different story. But you know, I'm like thinking and thinking and thinking, and and especially around the church. If I'm here, I'm usually going to be teaching, and if if I'm thinking about my teaching, sometimes I walk right by people and I know it and they go, hey, and I go, I'm sorry. But you know what's worse is when I'm out in a community and I walk by people and, and in the last four years, I've made it a point when I get out of my car in a parking lot, I put on a smile. And I just walk around with a big grin. And I'm thinking, if I have a big grin, someone's not gonna say, what a jerk, right? And I'm gonna interact. And then then what's amazing is people start talking to you. But if you walk around like you're thinking and you got this scowl on your face, people don't wanna talk to you. They're a little afraid of you. So think about that. Listen to what he's saying. We need to give of ourselves. I gave of myself 30 years ago, almost, when I decided to start pastoring, I said, this is it. I'm going all in. I'll never forget talking to my wife and saying, here's what we're gonna do. And she says, honey, you are one crazy husband. And I go, but you married him. And you're stuck. And we started the church in Bisbee. And then after a year, they upped my salary to $400 a month. I told Gaynell, we're quitting pottery. We can do this. And she goes, do you know how much that is? I go, yeah, it's a four with two zeros behind it. We'll make it, and you know what? God has taken care of us. And now some of you are going, that's not really sacrificing yourself. It's not. I gave of myself so others could be fed and taken care of because that's my calling. That's what God has called me to. And if we would all do that in our calling, and listen, I'm not saying you have to quit work and stuff, but if you get in your calling full on, fully what God has called you to, that's what he's talking about. So materially, yeah, you can do it, but how about giving of yourselves so others can grow and be strong? Then, now we get to the part that's not so much fun. Acts chapter 17. God, it's late too. Good. Good. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive for they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy and not grief for that would be unprofitable for you. Wow, what a word, right? Now I would like to just read that and you know that's why I waited and took time and now we can't teach much on it. (laughs) Do you hear what he says? Listen, and this is hard for me to do. He's telling us something that listen, Obey those who rule over He doesn't give a caveat. He doesn't give an if clause. He doesn't give an out clause. He says that we are to obey those who rule over us. Now listen, I know some people are going, but what about tyrannical leaders? Why do we always go there? Why do we always go to that end? Let's talk about good godly leaders because that's what he's talking about. You have good godly leaders, and I see one of the major problems in churches today is those who are supposed to submit want to lead the leaders instead of follow the leaders. It doesn't work. We are called as a people, as a people of God, to obey those who God has placed over us. Years ago in this church, when I came to the church, it was a congregational-run church, which means those who were supposed to lead or those who were supposed to submit were leading the church they were leading the leaders they had a vote they could tell you what to do kind of weird but that's the way the church was set up that's chuck smith's fault by the way but that's the way the church was set up i remember we had a meeting and the meeting was we're going to change from a congregational run church to an elder run church that's a big step And I remember at the meeting, and it was always funny, we had annual meetings, and the only people who came to annual meetings were the five people who always wanted to complain about something, and then all the elders and deacons, because I made them come, because they were elders and deacons, so they had to come. But the same five people complained about the same five things every year. It's like, So anyway, we have this meeting, and a lot of people showed up for that one. And it was starting to, it was starting to like boil over. Do you know how... Do you know how meetings go? You ever been in a public meeting? And and then somebody said, Pat, are you telling us we're going to vote right now to never vote again? And I'm thinking, i got to say it different. That sounds so harsh. There's got to be a better way to say it. And I start stumbling, and then I went, you know what? I go, yeah, that's exactly what we're doing. We're going to vote today to never vote again. And then it started, and there was, a, there was a guy in our fellowship, Mr. Peacemaker. I'll never forget, he wasn't, he wasn't, on, he wasn't an elder. He's this guy who came. Well, he played the drums, but he came. And I remember he, Bill stood up, and here's what, he turned around to everybody, and he goes, look, Pat's not asking you to trust the elders. He's not even asking you to trust him. He's asking you to trust God. Man, it went from up here to And one person voted against it because that was the right. The church is not a democracy. God didn't set the church up as a democracy. Find out what happens Read God's Word. Find out what happens when leaders begin to be led by those who are supposed to submit. Those crazy things happen. So listen, we're to submit, and here's a couple passages, Acts chapter 14, Acts chapter 20, 1 Timothy chapter 3, Titus chapter 1, that talk about leadership in the church and talk about elders. and and Listen, elders or overseers or bishops, all interchangeable words. Pastor, all interchangeable words. But here's what he's saying. We need to obey, and why does he say that? Listen, not so that we can have some tyrannical person over us god forbid listen i believe if a person's getting tyrannical and and overbearing it's probably a good time to find a new church i wouldn't let somebody do that to me but if you have godly leaders why are you out in the parking lot complaining about what's going on instead of coming to the godly leaders and saying hey i have a problem with this why are you going to the next church in town and telling them how horrible the church is that you just left instead of going to that church and trying to get it resolved? It's going on big time. COVID made a lot of people do a lot of shifting, kind of weird. We're a bunch of chickens, but anyway, that's for another message. Obey. Listen to what he says. He says obey. Why? Listen carefully. Obey those who rule over you, listen, and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Do you know I have to give an account for the souls in this church? Not in the sense that if you don't get saved, it's my fault, but in a sense, you're under my care. God is going to hold me to a much higher standard than what he's going to hold you to. And I remember years ago, it was like five years, six years ago, maybe seven years ago, maybe eight, but anyway... A few years ago, somebody came to me and they told me what a horrible decision I made. And they were like in my face. And God just gave me this peace. Isn't it great when he gives you this peace? And I just smiled at him and I said, you know what, I have to give an account for that, not you. And I'm willing to face my God for that decision. So get out of my face. I have to give an account, I'm accountable to God. Now listen, that doesn't mean that people can't question things. I don't mind people questioning. I don't mind people even coming and telling me they think I'm wrong. Just don't get right in my face and do it. Just, you can come and tell me, Pat, I think you're wrong. I think this is a bad decision. And you know what? That's okay. Guess what? I've made some bad decisions. But i made some good decisions too. But do you get what he's saying? They have, to, they have to give the account, those who rule over you, and then let them do so. Check this out. Listen, it should be a joy to serve. Let them rule over you with joy. I have to say, this is a fun church. This is like my favorite church. And I know people always laugh when I say that. Like, come on. But it is. I interact with a lot of pastors and nobody has a church like our church. I talk to them, they have people that are disgruntled all the time. The good thing about our church, people get disgruntled and they leave. And so I, I guess that's a good thing. But man, I talk to them and they have problem after problem after problem. I can't remember the last time we had a major like body crisis in our church. This is terrible because I know it's coming. But listen, we are just, here's what I feel with all my heart. We're a group of people who have locked arms and we want to serve Jesus Christ and all the other stuff that kinda gets in our way, you know what, it's just there. And hey, people who get mad, and and here's the thing, man, if people are talking to you out in the parking lot, you're probably ignoring them, and you're probably in your mind going, blah, 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 blah. And you know, I'm hoping you might even tell them, hey, don't talk to me, go talk to Pat or Jack or somebody. But listen, listen carefully. He says, it should be joy. I I feel extreme joy serving this fellowship. And then he says, and not with grief. Now, grief comes at different times. When I see people fall away, when I see people blow it. But serving this place doesn't bring me a lot of grief. It brings me a lot of joy. And then he says, for that would be unprofitable for you. Think about what he said. You, If you're the troublemaker, and some of us just have that nature, you're going to answer for that. Oh, not the pastor, you are, because you're the one, listen, he says here at the end, right? This is what he says, it's gonna be unprofitable for you. You're gonna have to deal with it. Let's stand up and pray. You guys went too long, so let's stand up and pray. Thank you for letting me rant. Father, we do uh, thank you once again, Lord, for your word. God, I just think of, What a great passage. What a great section of Scripture. Just where, Lord, you put everything out there and all of it, I believe, is tied to Jesus Christ is the same today, yesterday, today, and forever. And we need to hang on to that. We need to be men and women who know our God is unchangeable. Doesn't mean, listen, doesn't mean Jesus isn't gonna put on the personhood of humanity. It means that God's character, God's promises, God's integrity is never gonna change. It's solid and we can count on it. So I pray that we would be people who hide that deep in our hearts. And I pray that we would have an understanding of how that influences how false doctrines can creep in because we allow the thoughts to come in. Maybe that's not true. Maybe that thing about Jesus isn't quite right. And yet we know what the Bible says, but man, this person's so convincing. God, give us discerning hearts. Let us be a people, God, who understand and greater than that, believe your your word and then walk in it. And I'm going to ask you to stay in an attitude of prayer for a couple more minutes. And if you are here tonight and you do not have a relationship with Jesus, kind of a strange, different kind of message to walk in on. But here's what I know. God's word is God's word. And if you're an unbeliever, he touched your heart. He touched something in you that triggered you and caused you tonight to have to make a decision, yes or no. The Bible's very clear that you need Jesus. Why do you need Jesus? Because you have sinned against a holy God. That is obvious in scripture, but I think it's more obvious in every one of our hearts. You've sinned against a holy God. And the wages of that, the payment for that, what you've earned by doing that is separation from him, damnation for eternity that's the bad news the good news jesus christ came died on the cross paid that price listen not just physical death but he was separated from god he took the punishment that you deserved in a moment in an instant of time and he took all the sin of the world upon him paid that penalty and now here tonight here's what he offers you payment in full your debt is taken care of all you got to do is reach out and grab it. And the way you do that is you call on his name. Say this prayer with me. You can say it out loud or you can say it silently. If you're backslidden, man, come home. Come back to Jesus. Tonight he's calling you. If you're watching online, man, tonight, call on the name of the Lord. You You don't have to be here wherever you're at whether you're in the city or whether you're far away. Some people I hear even watching it in truck stops. Hey, say this prayer with us. You do not have to be in this building. Jesus, tonight I confess to you that I am a sinner. I'm sorry that I sinned against you. And Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive me Thank you for dying for my sin. Thank you tonight for your forgiveness. And now I want you to come into my heart and change me. Jesus, I'm asking you to come into my life and guide me. Tonight, I want you to be my Lord and my Savior.